0: The following program is underwritten in part by World's Best Cat Litter. You love your cat, but you don't love the litter box mess. Switch to World's Best Cat Litter and get a cleaner litter box with less hassle and less litter. Find it at Target, Walmart, and in your local grocery and pet stores.
1: Mm-hmm. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Vellani. and here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis.
2: And welcome, my friend. It is toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. Write that number down, put it on your fridge, wherever you need to have it, so you can call us when you have a question, when you want to talk to Dr. Debbie, when you want to talk to Joey Vellani, or just... You know, talk to, uh, say hello, check in with us wherever you're at. Today, we welcome back Hot Lips Houlihan. Uh, what was her official title? She was uh, Major. Yeah, she was a Major Margaret Hot Lips Houlihan on NASH. <laughs> uh, Loretta Swit is joining us. Last time she was on, she was talking about these crush videos that oh, people yes. made. I don't I even want to go them. into that. It's yeah. so disgusting. No. no. Uh,
3: yeah. But uh, yeah. this
2: time she has. A little better news. She has a brand new book out called Sweetheart. and apparently she's a very good artist. She, look at that. Check out these pages here. They're beautiful. Watercolors of animals, dogs, cats, uh, cows, all kinds of animals that she has drawn and put into a book to raise
4: money. Isn't that nice? Yeah, that's
2: yeah. awesome. I think we're going to have one copy to give away in a few minutes. Is it signed? Do we know if it's signed? Don't,
4: I don't know if it's signed or not. She it's did a send us one copy.
2: Book. It is huge. A beautiful coffee table book. Yes. Also on the show today, what has Robert got? 2017 Pet Trends in the Pet World. New Pet mm, Trends mm. for 2017. We'll find out what that's all about. Lori, what are you working on?
5: i going to tell you about a case where a couple files for help from a judge. They want a decision deciding their custody case, and it's custody of their dog.
2: Ooh. Oof. That should be interesting. Yeah, yeah. I if hear That would be a
5: heartbreaker to me, but the judge was not very happy.
2: Mm, I would had oh,
5: I've had clients that have had to go through custody for
6: their dogs. Really? Yeah. With, with a yeah, judge? Yeah, but it was in their, their divorce decree where they had to like meet at the McDonald's near my former of job. And it was right outside the veterinary office I worked at and uh, they would do the monthly switch and right in front of us. And then, you know, if the pet needed something, they'd come in for their grooming and what have you, and we'd see the other ex-spouse, and uh, it worked <laughs> out, you know? Okay. Wow.
2: That is strange. I've never heard of a judge ruling on that. But yeah. uh, we'll find out what Lori has to say in just a couple of minutes. If you want to chat up, now's the time to call. toll free one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five, And let's go to Robin. Hi, Robin. How are you? Yeah.
7: I'm hanging in there. How about you? Good. Well, what's going
2: on today with your animals?
7: Uh, well, uh, Barney, my pug mix at about 25 pounds is, uh, acting pretty normal except for the fact that my wonderful dog walker informs me that he is very laborious when trying to, uh, pass poop and, uh, that it is very, uh, sparse and very liquid and uh, he does have a history of swallowing uh, wrap and such. Uh, we've had good luck with it passing through, but it passed my uh, mind that he might have some sort of obstruction, although he is acting quite normal otherwise.
6: Okay. So he's not vomiting and he's eating, but he's having diarrhea.
7: Right. Uh, and okay. I'm not sure he goes out of uh, uh, the dog door Two or three times a day, he may be eliminating alright somewhere in the yard. I am compromised back-wise and it's hard for me to tramp around and check for uh, feces. Okay. <laughs> but yes. otherwise he's acting uh, normal, you know, cold nose, uh, uh peppy, eating well, same-o, same-o.
6: Okay. So when we're describing this, because I just had a patient today that came in with, and the concern was that they were constipated because they were frequently going, trying to go to the bathroom, but nothing came out. So the pet parent thought, my dog is constipated. There's something stuck in there when actuality this dog had diarrhea as any of us who know who've had diarrhea there's a kind of urgency and straining that goes along with that there's not necessarily stool that's blocked and can't get out you just have a sensation and it's a discomfort and liquid stool is less easily passed than firm stool so it kind of um doesn't kind of signal those receptors in the in the digestive tract to kind of move things through in a normal fashion so that's why we strain or a pet would strain with that. So, from what you're describing, to me, that sounds more like a pet that has diarrhea than that I'm actually worried about being constipated or having a blockage. Um, if we had some kind of blockage, I'd be thinking we'd have pain, we'd be vomiting, we wouldn't be eating. So I would kind of wipe that off of maybe our concern list and really address okay, what might be contributing towards a pet having diarrhea. So the first things I always look at any kind of seasonal time of the year is food. <laughs> food treats and what we put in their mouths or in their bowls really has an impact on what comes out in the backside. So making sure we're staying consistent with a good dog food and watching the treats. So anytime we've got diarrhea, take away the treats, get away those chew bones, take away any of the other kind of edible treats that you might be giving. Don't be given table food during those times and really clean up the diet, as we say. That's a real important thing. Um, for some pets, we may use prescription diets that can kind of be geared towards pets with inflammatory bowel disease or maybe fiber responsive problems. But, um, I definitely don't think your, your baby is um, constipated. So it may be something more to talk about, you know, what do we do for a pet with diarrhea? The old chicken and rice, people would tend to do that. It's actually a low-fiber diet, so it's not always the best for a pet when we're trying to bulk up their stools. So some pets, I will actually add Metamucil to the diet if we're trying to give them some more volume to their stools. So I I think that's maybe something we need to look at as far as what's being fed. And and you could tell me more as far as uh, what kind of dog food or are we eating table food?
7: uh no uh just maybe licking a dish with hardly anything in it but he does uh join in with a diabetic dog i have uh-huh. uh, with a uh digestive uh a, a vet formulated kibble that's for Uh digestive and uh, diabetic dogs.
6: So the important thing that when I talk about cleaning up the diet is because if we do clean up the diet and we're still not getting improvement, then we have a medical problem. You need to see the veterinarian. That may mean we need to be on antibiotics. We need to be, you know, dewormed. There may need to be medical tests that be done. So that's why I'm kind of, it behooves us to clean up the diet. And I don't care that he's had turkey his whole life. I would take it away right now. I would take that away. I would take the treats away, clean up the diet. I would probably eliminate the pumpkin. And canned pumpkin is used in a lot of situations. We can use it for diarrhea, and we can use it for constipation. So some pets, it doesn't help, and it really doesn't make um, any uh, added benefit. So that's why I say take that variable out, and just so we can see what just his food alone is doing. And, and otherwise, like I said, you know, we're going to need to see this baby at the vet office so we can better tailor a
4: treatment plan um, for your situation. How much Metamucil would you give a 25-pound pug?
6: You know, it varies. I usually work our way up. I'll start with a half a teaspoon, and some of my large breed dogs, I'll use as many as three t- um, tablespoons a day. So it's really kind of we start slow. Um, so for a pug, I'd probably start at half a teaspoon and work up to a full teaspoon with each meal and, and just kind of see how that goes um, in and some I more I did bulk. not
7: tell you one probably very important issue. He Uh-oh. is 14, what? and uh, the vet has said that he does have some uh, liver irregularity and oh, okay. wanted me to take him for a $600 ultrasound and you know in case there was a tumor attached and at nope. 14 I opted not to do this okay. but it could be a uh, a manifest- manifestation of this liver problem too I suppose
6: I mean it's possible I you know I, I definitely couldn't speculate on that but you know it's always helpful to know something a little bit more about a pet's insides before we start talking about let's try medicine so that's why you know if they have done haven't done some kind of you know diagnostic test looking at the abdomen x-rays basic blood work that's kind of where i generally start if we're worried about something like a, a cancer or tumor in the liver. So I think that would be reasonable to, you know, to see. So the you're
7: uh, advocating a uh, an x-ray of the uh, uh, area, or I'm not really understanding this?
6: Well, you know, I, I don't have your pet's medical record in front of me, but if I'm faced with that with an older pet that's having ongoing diarrhea, then yeah, I, I think checking basic blood work and abdominal x-rays is a very important thing just to look for some of those things that could be causing problems with the bowels, um, you know, anything uh-huh. causing a blockage in the area. Um, that could be affecting, you know, the bowels, uh, the liver, you know. Yeah, so definitely.
7: Do you think he could have a blockage even though he is acting so normal otherwise?
6: I guess this is really tough because I can't see your pet. I can't feel his abdomen. But in, but in general, when we have diarrhea, I'm less worried about a blockage and really more of what's causing that diarrhea. So we can have diarrhea if something's pushing on the colon, but it's not the first thing I thought, I think of. Um, so it would really kind of the other things i would tend to look at first. And sometimes it could be simple bacterial overgrowth. You know, we have all sorts of other things that cause um diarrhea. Um sometimes, you know, garbage gut or getting into um foods that they shouldn't um uh, will kind of trigger uh, a different uh, flora in their gut. And we just have to get that back on track with maybe antibiotics and a uh-huh. probiotic. So i would hope it's something really simple.
7: Uh-huh.
6: but But uh I, I just i couldn't speculate too far there.
7: Okay. Well, thank you. Uh, You have been very helpful, and I'll proceed.
2: Thank you, Robin, for your call today. Toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. How many days should it be before you head to the vet if your dog has diarrhea? Should you be immediately concerned?
6: Um, If your dog isn't, it's not normal for them to have digestive upset, then I think within 24 hours is a reasonable really? time. Okay. Uh-huh. Y'all try to make me say blanket black and <laughs> white things on the air, <laughs> and I just ain't going to do it. Because if a dog is having bloody stool... Wow. Um or not eating, say, wow, I'm gonna be twenty four hours. I'm not waiting. I'm not gonna watch my dog go through that. And I wouldn't advise that for anybody else's dog. So if you're sure. uncomfortable watching your pet go through something, it doesn't feel right, it's not a uh, how many hours or days it goes on. I just I wanna make that pet better.
2: You see, I, I'm over vigilant and I'll show up mm-hmm. at the vet if the slightest little thing goes wrong and I know the vet's looking at me going this guy is just
6: i'll tell you and i will tell you if i think you're overreacting or that we can try a more conservative approach i definitely am very upfront about that but i would rather people be overactive or proactive than waiting three days you know with a pet that's having really severe diarrhea and getting electrolyte imbalances and that's starting to have a lot of other issues on top of that it's just not um not the best thing to do for our pets so
2: Okay. Toll free 1 866 405 8405 to talk to Dr. Debbie or Joey Valani. Uh, or you can ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and Blackberry. And don't forget if you have a Yorkshire Terrier, a Shih Tzu, a Pug, or a Mini Schnauzer, Dr. Debbie's books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend, over at Amazon for Kindle. And uh, we have links from our website at animalradio.pet.
0: We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food. But we can tell you alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis, reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease, keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine caviar.
1: You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's
2: Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. And may I say we are also BPA free. You won't get any BPAs (laughs) listening to Animal Radio, which is good. You don't want BPAs. I hear that's a bad thing.
4: Right, right. <laughs> I'm speechless. I don't know how we would be bpa, BPA not free. free I don't know. <laughs> well,
2: I'm just running with it, if you will. Okay. Uh, Loretta Switt will be joining us next hour from MASH, Hot Lips Houlihan, and has. Uh, I
4: love MASH. It's one of
6: my favorite shows as a
4: kid. I remember the movie. I watched it at the drive-in theater when they made oh, the Oh, the
2: original movie. movie.
5: Yeah. Yeah. That was good. <laughs> Damn, we're old. It did start off as a movie. Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, I'm sure we've just missed half the audience right there. Sorry, guys. We're old, but we love our animals, and that's what we have in common. Is you love your animals too, Lori? What are you working on over there in the newsroom?
5: Well, if you happen to have a laser pointer laying around the house and you know use it to play with your dogs or your cats, we found out another pet. That loves laser pointers, and we'll share that with you. And uh, speaking of BPA-free, Hal, since you brought that up, where you might find BPA that might be getting into your pets at home as well.
2: Ooh, okay. That's on the way right here on Animal Radio. Stick around for that. Let's hit the phones.
8: Hi, Ken. Hi. How are you? Great, great. I have a uh, Havanese puppy that's one, one year old. And, uh, she's developed over the past couple months. Uh, she's been lifting her left, or I'm sorry, her right rear leg when she walks. Occasionally she'll put it down and then, uh, she goes upstairs. She always lifts her leg. And also, sometimes she'll run around like there's nothing wrong and then after a while she'll continue to lift her leg. And we had her to the veterinarian and the veterinarian said that she took an x-ray of her hip and she said that the bone, the joint, the ball was like wearing at a spot in her joint. And they said that they do an operation that where they take part of the ball off so it doesn't rub in that joint area. Okay, yeah. And I was wondering, is that something that's widely used, that, that type of operation on a puppy like that? And what I was wondering, how the dog will be when it gets older.
6: Will it affect the dog? Okay, yeah. Now, and I guess the first thing, that when I check out a doggie for limping in the back leg, um, yeah. we definitely like to make sure we look at each joint. And in, in a young dog, the other thing I do like to make sure we don't have an issue with is a kneecap problem because kneecaps can kind of slide out in some breeds of dog and cause an yeah. intermittent limp. So if your vet looked at that and said everything's cool there and um, that we're dealing with his hip, what what you're describing is actually basically hip dysplasia where we have a hip socket and then the ball of the hip, which doesn't quite fit together as it should and doesn't allow a nice smooth mo- movement there. Yes. When that happens where it just doesn't quite fit in place, it may subluxate where kind of the ball kind of is a little bit shifted out of position and rubs on it parts of bone that shouldn't be rubbing. That can be uh, start off the whole cascade of pain. Then we end up with arthritis changes, and we lead to all these types of long-term hip deformations that happen with hip dysplasia. Yeah. So if they're actually seeing some mispositioning of that hip socket at this point, there are some options that we may be able to look at besides what they're describing. Now, the, the procedure that was described just now um, is basically a femoral head and neck osteectomy, and basically we call it FH. Oh, for okay. short, because it's horrible to say that. And, and FHO can be a useful way to remove that source of bone-on-bone rubbing that's not supposed to be happening. And it can be very good for a, a certain population of dogs. Now, in a young dog, there may be the option that we can intervene with a different procedure where we don't have to necessarily cut a body part out <laughs> and remove it. and And that might be something to look into. And that's actually one called a triple pelvic osteotomy or TPO, and that procedure may be preferred in many cases in a younger dog because we're not actually removing a piece of the body and throwing it away in the garbage. We're actually going to put a repositioning of that hip socket and try to align it into a more normal conformation. And you know, patient selection is important, so your vet may know more as far as knowing what your doggy's hip looks like, what the options are, what the surgeons in your area are. But if that is a possibility in a young dog, I would definitely look at that first before, I'd move to an FHO surgery. surgery, and um, you know, But either which way, if it's that bad where they're already seeing that hip popping out of place, um, generally these are pets that need some kind of surgical intervention. And in the long-term scheme, we can even look at hip replacements, but we don't usually go for that in such a young dog. Um, so there might be some other uh, steps we do before that. Okay
8: yeah i was just wondering um you know i just thought maybe i'd get a second opinion before we went ahead with uh, with the operation uh, which they suggested that we'd have mm-hmm. and what the long term uh, you know if it would affect the dog and it's and he said the only thing that it would do would the dog wouldn't be able to stretch his leg out the back as far as the other one but otherwise he could run and play just as, like a normal dog Exactly.
6: Yeah. So if the other surgery is not an option, the TPO, and you end up going to the FHO, <laughs> all these abbreviations, <laughs> yes. um, yeah, most dogs with that procedure, um, do wonderfully. Now, we wouldn't expect uh, a dog with a TPO to, or I'm sorry, an FHO to uh, be an athletic dog. So we wouldn't want that to be a, you know, a working dog or necessarily yes. a dog that's going to be in competitions. But for everyday lifestyle, yeah, if you're removing that source of pain, They'll have a slightly shorter limb on that leg, so you may notice a little bit of a difference in their gait when they're running. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, once we're healed up down the road, yeah, we can be a very happy normal pet. So I wouldn't hesitate from that.
8: Is the TPO? Is that something that would be cheaper than doing the uh, the, the, the other op- the other option?
6: No, go the other direction. It's a heck of a lot more expensive, uh, and mainly because it is done more with specialists. Um, there's certain types of plate, um, basic hardware that has to be put in. So, uh, yeah, it does require a lot more technical skill than the
8: other surgeries. So.
2: Can we wish you the best of luck with that? Thank you uh, for calling today. Well, sure,
8: thank you for taking my call. Uh, I love listening to the show, and I uh, hope you all well for the rest of the
2: week. Thank you very much. Back at you there, buddy.
1: This is Animal Radio. I am the family dog, and it's that time of year again. The one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places, too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido-Friendly magazine. To find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today.
9: This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes a pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. I'm Lori
5: Brooks. Boy, this is a wild story. A judge in Canada has ruled that dogs are property. That we 've talked about that lots on this show, mm-hmm. but they cannot he goes on be considered the same as children. It was really a scathing decision that blasted this newly separated couple for a ridiculous in his words attempt to use the court system to settle a custody dispute over their two dogs. Now, the couple was childless, and they separated after being married for a little over fifteen years, and they turned to the court system earlier this year to or rather last last year to settle their feud over who the couple's dogs would end up living with. So the appeal to the court was originally filed by the husband, who wanted custody of the dogs. But lawyers for the wife described the husband as more of a cat person, and they asked the court to consider the matter as it would any other custody issue and, in fact, urged the judge to allow the dogs to live with her and grant visitation rights to the husband. But uh, any similarity between children and pets, was soundly rejected by this judge who said, A dog is a dog. By law, it is property, a domesticated animal that is owned. The judge kind of likened the matter to being asked to rule on what the couple should do with their other joint property. He asked them, Am I to make an order that one party have interim possession of the family butter knives? But, he goes (laughs) on, you can tell this gets a little silly, But due to a deep attachment of both butter and those knives, order that the other party only have limited access to those knives for one and a half hours per week to butter his or her toast, he was uh, pretty upset. Ultimately, he dismissed the entire application, telling the pair to settle the dispute themselves and leave the court out of it to deal with more serious
2: matters. You're here. Where was that again? In Canada. In Canada. Okay. Yeah, I'm watching you, so. Canada.
5: <laughs> yeah, they've had some pretty controversial uh, animal decisions lately, haven't they? Well,
2: we treat them just the same here in the United States. They're all property, which is unfortunate.
5: Right, but I think I've heard of custody disputes for, for pets, haven't you? I, yeah, I have. It's changing.
2: Yep, slowly but surely, we're heading in the right direction.
5: Well, you guys have heard of uh, bisphenol A, or probably more commonly known as BPA, right? It's a a, a widely used industrial chemical that's in many things, but found in a lot of household items and things we use in homes, including resins, which are used to line and inhibit corrosion of metal food cans. You know, like when you go down the grocery aisle and you see all the canned veggies and stuff like that, certainly in there, unless the can says bpa
2: Mm. What does BPA do? You said it causes unfavorable
5: in
6: kids. They say that it actually um, it feminizes the young boys. Really? So decreases their testosterone mm-hmm. exposure. So, and that's also thought I think with the girls and why they might be having earlier and earlier periods is because of it disrupts their um, hormone communication. Yeah.
4: Now, are those just those cans that are wi- lined with the white lining? I think Those they're just they're lined the in general. I, I don't know that I don't know what
6: the color is, but because uh, I've seen some cans that are white.
5: Isn't that like any can though?
6: I, they put that. I they, know. they use
5: Good it question. in like cans of tomatoes and stuff to to keep it from corroding the can. Vegetable soups and fruit that is canned
6: are some of the worst. I was just looking at an article about BPA is highest in people who eat soup canned soup regularly or canned pasta. But there's a – you can look online and uh...
4: (laughs) It's not going to harm us at this age, right? I mean, hey, well, I'm not sure. having, I'm well, not having any not?
6: kids. Hal's voice will just get very uh, feminized, I... that's all.
2: Well, maybe that's what's happening.
6: <laughs> maybe. I think it's too late. Yes. Well, you know, we talk about men worried about low T. I mean, you know, sometimes you got to look at things like your environmental exposures. You know, maybe it's not, you know, your body not producing it. I'm not getting anywhere, Hal, saying you
4: have that.
5: <laughs> I'm not having soup for lunch, by yeah. the way.
4: Okay, cancel that.
5: Well, so researchers at the University of Missouri Veterinary School got to thinking, and they did some research. They found that even short-term feeding of canned dog food results in a significant nearly three-fold increase in the level of BPA in dogs they tested. Hmm. They also found increased BPA in dogs directly corresponds with unfavorable gut bacteria and metabolic changes in the dogs that they analyzed. Um, you might remember many plastics also contain bpa like the older baby bottles which are no longer allowed to be sold on the market unless they are bpa free
2: just another thing to worry about
5: thanks (laughs) i (laughs) sorry well surely you have seen if you've been online at all uh you have seen videos of cats chasing um, laser dots Mm -hmm. which are made by laser pointers and now we find out that a laser pointer can also be a pretty darn good toy for a duck. A duck. As I recently saw, yes, <laughs> in a YouTube video where there was this duck floating around in a, in a pond, like a fountain, and he was having this uh, great time, it looked like, chasing the light from a laser pointer that was underneath the water inside this fountain. Um, the video shows this duck very highly focused and, uh, wildly going after this green laser pointer light while he's pecking its beak and diving underwater in hopes of catching this moving target so you know he could have thought it was a very small fish a minnow maybe Mm -hmm. but we just thought that if anybody has a duck that you know and you have a cat and you have a laser pointer around the house (laughs) that you can go ahead and play with your duck now too i get very
2: entertained by those little laser pointers
5: i've never tried one Um, You and me later, okay? (laughs) You and me and the laser (laughs) pointer later. (laughs) I'm Lori Brooks.
9: Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com.
10: Hi friends, this is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. As you know, going to the vet can be a traumatic experience for your pet, but it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, vet visits can be something your pet looks forward to. Introducing Fear Free. When your veterinarian is Fear Free certified, you'll be assured your pet's vet visit is more free of fear, anxiety, and stress than ever before. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified, and it puts the treat into treatment. To find a certified Fear Free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. Hey, this is
1: Big Ant from Rescue Inc. Remember, stay new to your animal, and abusers are losers. Now back to Animal Radio.
5: Lucy has, she just had a dental and some teeth extractions several oh, months okay. ago because she had horrible, horrible breath, and she had some tooth decay. But um, everything is, you know, should still be okay, but her, you know, she's got a bulldog mouth, and you know, she got teeth everywhere in there. But my God, her breath is so bad again. Yeah. And we have... Tried everything to like look inside, you know. Does she have hair between her teeth or whatever? Mm -hmm. Are there any tricks you can offer on how to maybe get a good look inside her mouth or what it might be?
6: I mean, it can just be dental disease progressing, especially if she had teeth removed already. So Mm -hmm. that if teeth have to be removed, that means there's periodontal disease. So that means there's detachment of the soft tissues to the gums, of to the teeth. So that means you've already got some you know, infection and damage there. So that's not likely to just all be fixed with a dental procedure. So you may still mm-hmm. have some, you know, teeth in in progression there. But oh, the hard thing mm. in those guys is you can't see everything. So I try my best with brushing and then they do get a lot of that hair debris under the gum line, um, just under the lip folds. So um there's some dental wipes you can use or even just uh, you know, kinda using mm. a damp damp rag to see, I never heard you know, about wipe under dental the dental wipes yeah they they make for some people that can't do dental brushing at home they make like little pads that have um uh like a dental uh um uh, antiseptic that you can use that um to kind of wipe on the teeth in the gum area
5: and yeah, we just got some of that pink stuff to start using on our teeth again mm-hmm.
6: it's like chlorhexiderm rinse is that what it is
5: um it smells like bubble gum <laughs> okay.
2: Can, I don't know. <laughs> can stinky breath be like more than just in the mouth, like in the organs or deep down? Sure.
6: Oh yeah. I mean, a lot of times I'll find dogs might, or dogs and cats might have things like respiratory infections, nasal infections that can cause them to have bad odor up there. Um, there can be medical things as well. So, um, some digestive problems, um, uh, Inflammatory bowel disease, uh, you know, other types of GI or intestinal things can definitely impart a bad odor as well.
2: Well, I noticed so, when you'd give an exam, like when you exam ladybug, that you, you sniff her ears and then you smell her breath. So, <laughs> I do.
6: I'm a sniffy person. So, yeah, I pick up a lot by just the odor. But, yeah, it's important because if there's a stank, we know that there's something uh, we got to go hunting for. to That's the cause of that. That might just be something superficial like the teeth or maybe the other thing I see in bulldogs a lot is I'll have uh, gingival hyperplasia. So the gums kind of overgrow and that kind of creates nooks and crannies and little pockets where, um, you know, that can be just a place where bacteria hide. And that's hard. You can't brush that. So if something like that's present, that might be, uh, you know, within the scope of a dental procedure as well.
2: Hmm. Could you imagine if your doctor, your human doctor, sniff your breath? <laughs> I,
6: I think would, they, should. they should. I really, I really, sometimes I just want to sit there and just not say anything and just say, try your luck. Figure it out, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bite
5: you if you get it wrong.
2: If you want to talk to Dr. Debbie now, and of course, she can't smell your animal's breath over the uh, radio, but uh, she has a book out. It's a Kindle book. She has four of them out. Yorkshire Terriers, Shih Tzus, Pugs, Mini Schnauzers. Those are the four books. How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend. Uh, but if you want to talk to her in person, toll free right now at one 405 We'll try to figure out what's going on with your dog or your cat or your fish or your bird or uh, your capybara. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten free.
1: Listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. Hey, Rosie. Rosie, Rosie.
11: Hey, hello.
2: Welcome to our madness. Hi. <laughs> Where are you calling from today?
11: I'm calling from Long
2: Beach, California. Oh, the L.A. area. What's going on? I got everybody here for you. Ah,
11: um, okay. So about six months ago, we adopted a little kitten that showed up on our balcony. And we'd already had two dogs at the time, so the condition was the cat had to get along with the dog. So we kind of conditioned her to, um, to play with the dogs. And so she, now she does. She, you know, she, she loves them and she's always on the floor and they're always chasing each other, except she's nocturnal. And, um and this playtime goes from like oh. midnight till four in the morning. And they just, the dachshund chases her because she's, you know, a Dachshund, and uh, and then the Terrier follows, and then she's running because she's having a great time. But they, they'll jump on top of us when we're sleeping. Oh boy! They just, like, <laughs> bounce right off of us, yeah. And it's just driving us crazy. So we've tried locking her out, and then she'll cry at the door. We've tried locking them out; they cry at the door. We've tried having them all, you know, with the door open, so they'll play in the living room, and they want us to join in. I don't know. So it's pretty, pretty rough. <laughs>
6: Oh, Rosie, I feel your pain. Not, not currently with my existing pet. I have the geriatric bunch right now, but <laughs> I had kitties that did this. And, um, the truth is cats are nocturnal and they're going to tend to want to play and do things at night. So yeah. that is an inherent nature for them. So it's challenging with cats, but you can modify them to become more of, of a day active pet. Now, I'm assuming do you work during the day? Are you away?
11: We do. We're usually away mm, okay. I'd say maybe um like maybe like twenty percent of the time we're at home. But Okay. Yeah.
6: Well that that's gonna be the problem <laughs> because during the day <laughs> hours when we want her to be active, um, you're not there. So there's nothing for her to do but sleep and just get all revved up and ready for the evening hours. So uh-huh. that, the trick is that we have to get her tired and gotta get playtime in before you go to bed. So if you can't spend a lot of time during the day hours, once you get home, we need to schedule playtime. And it's great that she plays with the dogs, but I would make sure you do scheduled playtime with just her. And you may need to put the doggies away just so she can play one-on-one with you. Um, there's some wonderful toys that you can do that are uh, kind of like the cat um, fishing pole type things, things that she can chase, but to be involved with that because she sounds like she loves the chase and you want to help to instigate that. And you got to change things up with cats. When they're playing, you know, you can't spend 20 minutes playing with one toy. you got to pull out like four because they're just so like, you know, whatever, give me the next one. <laughs> So, yeah, but you really got to exhaust her before bedtime. Now, I will tell you at nighttime, some other strategies that I found can help. Locking cats out is what I had to do with my cats. I I had to just for my health of my marriage, (laughs) I had to shut the bedroom door and put earplugs in. And, um, some other techniques you can use with that are to set up cat feeders at Interesting times of the night, so 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Set up a automatic cat feeder somewhere and have that go off with an audible tone, so that draws her attention to that. Um, that's one great way to find her something else to do in the middle of the night, preferably away from your bedroom. <laughs> cool.
11: Okay. Um, I guess I haven't really been uh, exercising her. I like the dogs get walked, but that's a good idea.
6: Cats are hard to get tired. I I had one that I used to get on a treadmill, and he would kind of walk on the treadmill for treats, and then he'd go meow and flap down, and then you know that was it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um,
11: how long do you think she would need to get exhausted? Like how long oh, to her? Sister?
6: a lot of time. There, there's no magical yeah, like, time, but is like she?
11: Hours how old is she? Oh, she's like eight months. Eight months. Nine. Oh, yeah. She.
6: You're not going to tire her out, very honestly. What's going to happen is she's going to become bored before she gets tired, and that is the problem with cats. Dogs, you can kind of put them on a treadmill or run them next to you on a bike, and, you know, they are they're, I'm sorry, they're, they're sweet, but they're dumb. Cats are far too intelligent. So, yeah, she'll say enough of this. Oh, you know, man. I have a
4: cat and a dog that chase each other around during the evening and stuff, but at night I crate my dog. So oh. that makes it easier so the cat can't get to the dog at night. But
2: the cats you know. still bother you, Yeah, you know, the think? cat still bothers me, yeah. but the dog you know, is
4: crated, okay. so they can't chase each other.
11: We've thought about just locking them all out. Like, we've tried it. Um, you know, it's, I guess, the same idea of creating that it's going to be their space at night. So they just slip out, and they just get all sad, and they scratch at the door um, forever. But, I mean, do you think that would stop if we gave it, like, more than a week, or do you think it would just continue because they're...
2: It, it takes a few weeks to teach those cats. I mean, it's yeah. not something that you're going to have a bunch of nights that it's going to be real noisy. But uh, if you get through that period of time, I guarantee you it'll be a lot quieter. Teach them that you're not going to wake up at that time.
7: Yeah.
4: Okay.
2: Kettle black, kettle I was black, kettle say, black. Isn't
7: like the ke- <laughs> kettle
4: calling the pot <laughs> black, Al? How? Many nights, how many times a night does your cat wake you?
2: Only two, but it used to be like five times. Oh, you got it, yeah, down, got to it down to two. I got it down to two now.
11: Better than, better than five. Yeah, they're really tough. They just, you know, it wouldn't even be so bad if they just sit on the, sit on the floor. But they, it's like they, they like to propel off of our chest. They like to, <laughs> they're like, all right, it's like diving board. Like, we're going to just her and just. The other thing, up, you know,
2: know, you can do is get a night job.
11: <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much. That's great advice. So I'm definitely going to try and work it out of her or decide to lock out my dogs.
2: Well, we wish you the best of luck with that, Rosie. Let us know how that turns out. Well, don't you know this healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Learn more about these guys over at
1: RedBarnInc.com. And thank you so much, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405.
0: All dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because Canine Caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with canine caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. Mm-hmm.
1: Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Vellani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis.
2: Did you know it's a free call to reach out to Dr. Debbie or to Joey Volani? Toll-free, 405 8405 right now. And I'm looking up at the board. I see that Robert's going to be talking about the pet trends of 2017. I'm thinking, uh, what, what could he be talking I about? I don't know. There certainly has been a lot of uh, advances with GPS technology, electronic mm-hmm. technology to locate your pet. Yep. Uh, one of the trends now is instead of leaving town and putting your dog in a kennel is mm-hmm. to take them with you
6: yes yeah pet travel things i think like you know the bowls the leashes how to help them be more you know mobile traveling i think that's going to be a big
9: uh,
4: one there'll be more designer purses and strollers and stuff to carry your dog in
2: you don't carry your dog around dr debbie i just don't see you as uh one of those types
6: not my big dog, but my little guy, that? I try to carry him around. You know, I've brought him to some of the shows that we go to and such, but he's, you know, 16 pounds, but he's still a tough little guy and he doesn't like to be babied and carried. He, he likes to be on his own feet.
4: <laughs> Not Ladybug. I can carry her anywhere.
2: Do you uh, take her everywhere you go? You go on vacation a lot. I assume that uh, they all go with you.
6: I, you know, I do a lot of girls trips with my dog, my Nikki. <laughs> so we do a lot of exploring, hiking, oh. camping, just by ourselves. And it's—I uh, think it's good for me. And uh, you know, she enjoys getting out. We were just in the snow recently, and so she's what I call a snow beast. Oh. So she gets these like snow dreadlocks on her head and on her feet, and it is just—it's um, so much fun. It, I love seeing the joy that she gets, and it just makes me happy. And I- she
4: has such a thick coat; you don't have to protect her from the cold, do you? Yeah. No,
6: no, but I do put a little raincoat on her because I found that with really wet snow it really it gets her coat wet and then she smells and you got to dry her so <laughs> a little raincoat really helps just to keep the moisture off her
2: Ah <laughs> uh, well, I hope everybody's traveling with their pets now as that certainly is one of the trends Robert's going to be talking about coming up in just a few minutes. We're going to go to the phones toll free for your calls in just a couple of seconds, but let's find out what's happening in the newsroom with Lori Brooks.
5: Well, we've been talking about pets in the presidency since Inauguration Day is uh-huh. coming up. I've been talking about that for a few weeks. But um, there's some good trivia along with this, like um, what former White House pet had a book that sold more copies than either of its first lady or former president dad?
4: Wow. Oh,
2: I'm, I'm guessing socks, but I don't want to blow it, so we'll don't, find out. Yeah,
4: don't guess.
3: Okay. <laughs> <Let's> be surprised.
2: <laughs> okay, that's on the way. Let's go to the phones for your calls. Hi, Susan. Welcome to the
3: show. Hi. Thank you for taking my call.
2: Where are you calling from today?
3: Uh, Monrovia, California.
2: Beautiful Los Angeles. Listen, I understand you have something going on with your animal.
3: Okay. Well, she's a um, a nine-year-old, about 80-pound Rhodesian Ridgeback mix. And she had eaten about 20 green bell tomatoes and resulting in seizures. Oh, my.
2: Tomatoes can cause seizures? I did not know that.
3: Yes. Now, so um,
6: it, where is she at now? Is she in a, a veterinary clinic?
3: No, it happened end of July. We noticed her first seizure, and then we noticed another one. We ended up taking her to the emergency um, clinic at night. They said it was probably that. It's from solanine, which is in the green tomatoes.
8: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah.
3: Brought her back home, went to see the doctor. She's on phenobarbital right now, and then it wasn't quite controlling all of them, so... She was placed on Valium.
6: Yeah. Now, I'd have to say, without having re-ingestions, I'll back up here. Solanine and and the the concern with... uh green tomatoes, um, raw potatoes even, and all the greens that are involved with the tomato plant or potato plant contain toxins that can cause all sorts of things. Um, sometimes it'll cause vomiting, diarrhea. Sometimes it'll be a matter of causing really severe depression, heart arrhythmias. Some cases it'll cause kidney failure or seizures. So it has different effects. Um, it, it, it would be a bit unusual to have a sustained ongoing seizure problem as a result of this toxicity back in July um, if she were re-ingesting and having the opportunity to get into more, um I might be able to make a case that that's in some way related to things at this point um so I'm not sure um I would say it would be unlikely that that's still going on from there um mm-hmm. are are the um is the phenobarbital seeming to control things or you're just touching it up with the valium to help out
3: yeah the just like you said, the Valium to help out. They're not okay. grand mal seizures. Um, they're kind of um, milder ones. Uh, she gets okay. weak and uh, drooling.
6: And is she having a possible re-exposure? Is she getting into these things
3: again? Oh, no, not at all. We've uh, definitely closed off that area. I, I didn't even know about this problem with green tomatoes. Actually, I had given her some because I thought she liked them. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so I feel I, terrible well, about that. But, you know, I, I read somewhere that they're fat-soluble, this toxin, not water-soluble. So that's why I thought, oh, it's going to take longer for it to get out of the body.
6: Yeah, and I have never heard of um, a pet having this delayed of a, a seizure-type response with that. Um so, no, I, I can't say that that's very likely. Now, there are some other good anticonvulsants we can add in. and The, the tough thing with Valium is it's just so short-term. It doesn't really give us preventative uh, seizure protection. So if phenobarbital isn't doing it well enough, a lot of times there's other ones like uh, potassium bromide that we can add in as a secondary anti-seizure medicine to help get better control. Um, and that might be something to, to look at for your kid. To see if that kind of helps control it, because even if a seizure isn't a grand mal seizure, where they're falling over and drooling and losing control of their bodily functions, it's still not good. So we would want to try our best to try to help um, control that a bit more thoroughly. Okay. Um, so I, I might see about looking into that, you know, and definitely, you know, like I said, uh, making sure there's nothing else that she's getting into as far as any other toxins or any problems with that.
3: Right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, she's one of those dogs that you know eats
2: eats everything. What are those dogs? Most
5: dogs. (laughs) Well, you
6: know, Ridgebacks are. They're they're very inquisitive, and I'll tell you, with my Labradors, anything goes when it comes to them. If it has the the inkling of an odor of food that's been sitting next to it, um, that product is going to be eaten. So, yeah. Well, my best wishes to you, Susan, and I I hope you get some control of those seizures, but uh, polypharmacy is what we call when we add in these secondary um, seizure medications, so um, I, I would definitely advocate that.
2: Thanks for your call, Susan. Now this is for only green tomatoes because I know Taco Night is the big night for Ladybug, the studio stunt dog. She loves to eat the tomatoes, and we we free feed her tomatoes. Is that right okay? On, is that okay? Yes,
6: and that's the thing with the with this type of toxicity. Green tomatoes, unripe tomatoes contain the toxins. As the tomato ripens, it, it decreases. So um, the fully ripe red. You know, tomatoes are perfectly fine. That's not any concern. However, the plants could be still a problem for um, Mm. a dog if they got into that and
2: chewed on that. And what about potatoes?
6: Potatoes can actually do the same thing. So the potato plants and um, raw potatoes. So if a dog ate enough raw potatoes, we could run into that. And it has to do with the eyes and the little growths that come, you know, off the, the potatoes.
2: Okay. Very good. Good to know. I shouldn't be free feeding my dog any of this stuff anyway, right? But she just has those puppy. I know what they mean by puppy eyes. She looks up at me, Dad. A little bit of taco, please. <laughs> Hi, Patricia.
12: Hi. How are you? Oh, very well. But I have a question, two questions that are kind of delu- eluding me right oh, now okay. okay,
6: sounds challenging. Let's go. <laughs> oh, good.
12: Okay. Um, I have indoor cats, and I, I, I do a lot of you know now and then cat rescue, and I decided to let two of the rescued ferals stay in my backyard and so the first question is one of them i was told i i actually took them from a rescue group and i was told that one of them may have f i maybe fiv positive
0: okay. and
12: now she has turned into a little love bug and she wants to come in <laughs> and <laughs> she comes up to me and rubs all over me and practically lets me pick her up so i'm guessing she was somebody's pet and kind of reverted to a feral mindset and now that she's had a place to be settled and good people taking care of her she's going back to being friendly but when i open the door she tries to run in and um, <laughs> she knows what's good man she's on her way <laughs> she, she did she <laughs> thank you <laughs> couldn't have said that better and so what would would it be a bad idea to let her come in if there is an fiv positive test is the, and the other piece I'll throw on there is that I think I read, I think I remember, I think I heard that if they have had a an, an vaccine for FIV, that their test may come up positive. But I'm not sure about yeah. that.
6: Yeah, and, and that kind of comes to, like, why we have the suspicion of FIV, which is also really known as feline immunodeficiency virus. So it's similar to kind of like the HIV virus in humans. So FIV in cats, yes, um, we can get some false positives, basically, from a cat that's previously been vaccinated. Um, now, there's reasons why people vaccinate, and this is just a side note. tends to be more in shelter cats, cats that are in high cat volume situations. It's not a real routine situation. So if we do get a, a positive test, there are some confirming tests we can do to kind of reassure us if we may have that or not. Okay, um, but and this one was
12: rescued from a shelter. Both of these were
6: okay so I guess the big thing is you know what's the risk with bringing this kitty into the home well for FIV, it's typically spread through bite wounds between cats. So cats that live outdoors, that kind of have that fighting lifestyle, especially the male intact cats, they're the number one carriers of FIV. And in fact, 4% of outdoor feral cats are positive for FIV. What's so Wow.
13: It,
6: yeah. So if you want to make this kitty an indoor cat and you have existing cats, there's a slight risk of acquiring that inside the home. Now, if they fight and this cat bites yours, absolutely, we can contract FIV that way. But through casual contact, drinking out of the same water bowl, grooming behaviors, there's really not a high risk of transmission of the virus, wow. fortunately. Yeah, so, agree. So, so that's a good thing. Now, any FIV positive cat, if they are a pet, I definitely recommend to keep them indoors, so we can help decrease the exposure to other cats outside. So, um, you know, this might be a dual win-win um, in you know not only rescuing this cat but helping save some of those other ferals out there from becoming FIV positive if they're not already. Yeah. But you know, there's that slight risk for your kitty. So I, I, I would say you know you kind of have to recognize that and, and know your cats and see how they interact. Uh, whether or not this is a risk you'd want to take.
12: Now I feel like I can make an informed decision.
2: Good luck with that. I know how tough it is with ferals. We, we've brought in a few ferals ourselves. one 405 8405 to connect with any one of the Dream Team right now. The
9: Movie Man six-second review starts now. Oh. one of the best sci-fi movies of the year has arrived with Arrival.
14: Just because you don't have time to read a book doesn't mean you can't enjoy stories about artists and groups that you love. To discover a whole new world of audiobooks and hear the stories that made the music, visit happylandaudio.com. That's happylandaudio.com.
2: Oh, if you could see Lori and Judy dancing.
4: That gets you moving. You can't sit still to that.
2: You gals are so old school.
5: It was new shoes, It right? was new
2: shoes, yes.
5: Yeah, I can't wait.
2: Very good. Yeah, yeah. that's got to go back almost 30 years, young lady.
5: Yeah, well, uh, I've been in radio a long time. Now. We
2: certainly have. <laughs> it is toll-free, 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to Dr. Debbie or to Joey Volani. We are moments away from Loretta Swit, if you're a big MASH fan. And I just found out, we just got a call. We were talking earlier about... Uh, the younger generation not knowing what MASH is mm-hmm. and who Hot Lips Houlihan is, the young lady that just called, she said that she watches it and reruns, and she's a millennial. Ah. So there's a program that withstands...
4: Ages of time. It really
2: does. Yes. And uh, Loretta Swit, Hot Lips Houlihan, will be with us in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. What are you working on over there, Lori?
5: I'm going to tell you there's a story about the American Veterinary Medical Association, and they are now discussing breeders and... Um, you know that breed dogs that that have traits that can be inherited and passed on to their offspring and we're talking about traits that aren't so good that they're concerned about oh. yeah you know like brachycephalic dogs oh, yeah. with smush faces they look like uh, they've been uh, chasing like parked
2: cars those dogs that's your favorite those are your favorites <laughs> yeah
5: lori how do you feel about that yes. you know i'm a uh, really into rescue and I focus most of my rescue attempts on pit bulls because they're the ones that are, are being killed. But with bulldogs, we don't have a lot of problems finding homes for bulldogs because, you know, they're popular and they're expensive if you should buy them. Um, mm-hmm. I was I was really interested in, in reading in this article that that's one of the things that they're concerned about, too. Uh, because bulldogs are brachycephalic with a smushed in face. But they're also concerned about the need for bulldogs, uh, when they have puppies to have to have a cesarean section. Because mm-hmm. the heads of the Usually
11: babies are you so do. big. Mm-hmm.
2: Don't the uh, brachycephalic dogs or the the pugs that you're rescuing? They have a lot of medical issues. They have uh, skin problems. They have uh, breathing problems. What else do they have, Doctor Debbie?
6: Well, I mean, I don't want to peg you know just one breed, but sure. brachycephalics. Uh, I think the the extreme is kind of where the veterinary um, field finds finds concern, is when we have an animal who can't breathe good at normal room air and room temperature, that's when we get to an extreme where we need to try to prevent that kind of future breeding. Um, so it might mean a little a longer muzzle and not such that squishy looking face. It might mean mm-hmm. we pull in other genetics from other areas of the country or the world that can help to kind of dilute some of that effect. Um, but the breathing is a really big thing for those guys. And it is hard if you have a dog that can't breathe comfortably. It's kind of like a person with sleep apnea, but they, some of these dogs have this all day long, every moment of their life. And we always kind of joke in the veterinary world, the best time a brachycephalic breathes is when they're under anesthesia.
4: (laughs) Because we put a tube in their throat.
6: Yeah, and they're on 100% oxygen. So people are always nervous about brachycephalics going under anesthesia. And I say, oh, no, no, it's not while they're under anesthesia, it's before and after that we worry about them. But when they're under, they are just the happiest they've ever been. Their lungs just don't know that kind of oxygen saturation
5: normally.
2: Wow, did not know that.
5: Think about how many problems they have that they have to, you know, that they need surgery for.
2: Mm
6: -hmm. So So,
5: it's it's a double-edged
2: sword. It really is. You'll be talking more about that in just a few minutes right here at our
14: news break on Animal Radio. Hello, Animal Radians! It's Robert Semro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio list, three 2017 Pet World Trends you want to know about. 2017 is here, and it's time for me to look into my crystal ball and make some predictions on a few of the most important trends that will enchant and enhance the pet world this year. To begin with, we'll be bombarded with terms that try to convince us that the nutrition choices we are making for our pets are the best. Terms like all-natural, holistic, human-grade, balanced, and my personal pick for the term to be most overused in 2017, superfoods. What are superfoods? Well, if you look it up in the dictionary, you may find something like the following. A superfood is a nutrient-rich food considered to be especially beneficial for health and well-being. Who doesn't want that for themselves or their pets? Does anybody want not-so-superfoods or highly-average foods? nutritionists, scientists, researchers, and more will also point out that there doesn't seem to be enough scientific evidence that something is super compared to very healthy. Still, even I love pointing to superfoods as a cut above and extremely healthy. So, I'm on board with superfoods. The bottom line is that if it increases the health and wellness, I'm all for it. So, 2017 will include finding which superfoods your super pets can have and enjoy. Next up is technology. Technology was everywhere in 2016 and it brought us better toys, better medical devices, better tools and so much more. The pet world saw improvements in technology, materials and outcomes from the things we bought for our pets in 2016. That will continue to explode in 2017. Additionally, technology is playing a huge role in the development of new products, product materials, interactive devices artificial appendages for pets, and so much more. Technology is increasingly a solution in the pet world. Finally, the niche pet world is going to explode in 2017. From exotic pets to exotic services to specialized solutions, the niche world is ramping up. We'll continue to see niche services like specialized grooming, nutrition, daycare, travel, and more, all to serve specific types and breeds of pets. And it's no longer looked on as a cute idea or a frivolous holiday. No, it's now a smart business to segment and niche out your pet world. People care about their pets and are not afraid to care for, indulge, or even spoil them with things and services. 2017 is going to be a great year for the pet world. Most importantly, it's here and what you do with your time with your pet is really what matters. Give your pet the love, attention, and maybe a few spoils this year, and make it their best year ever. Share your 2017 Pet World Trends on our Animal Radio Facebook page. This is Animal Radio, baby.
1: The Movie Man's six-second review starts
14: now. What?
9: Is like a thanksgiving luau there's some to eat for everyone and it's enormously entertaining in.
14: just because you don't have time to read a book doesn't mean you can't enjoy stories about artists and groups that you love to discover a whole new world of audiobooks and hear the stories that made the music visit happylandaudio.com that's happylandaudio.com
9: this is an animal radio news update brought to you by fear free Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com.
5: I'm Lori Brooks. When the regular winter season of the AVMA, that's American Veterinary Medical Association, when their House of Delegates convenes today in Chicago, one of the items that their delegates will be considering adopting is a policy stating that the association's concern is rising over breeding dogs and cats and other companion animals – which have inherited traits that can be passed on to their offspring and negatively impact the offspring's health and well-being. Some of those inherited conditions include brachycephalic syndrome, which you see in the so-called smoosh-faced breeds, you know, the flat faces like pugs and bulldogs. Uh, that also includes uh, some joint diseases, bone deformities, heart and eye conditions, or even poor temperament, which is seen in animals who have springer rage. Syndrome. The AVMA's Animal Welfare Committee believes the veterinary profession should advocate against the deliberate or careless breeding of animals carrying genes known to produce suffering or a serious disability in an animal or premature death in companion animals, too. And as the committee explained with this, the policy would clarify the expectations of the AVMA and support vets working with their clients to advocate for responsible breeding practices. The committee adds that, traits which significantly compromise animal welfare are going to continue to rise in a wide range of companion animals, all different types of companion pets. And it hopes that with this policy, if it's approved, that it will support productive collaborations between the group, you know, and other veterinary breed and pet industry groups to reduce those inherited disorders and discourage breeding for uh, sometimes fattish extremes of confirmation or ill health.
2: Well, now, does that mean that the AVMA is going to advocate against bronchocephalic dogs?
5: And you know, Dr. Debbie is, is probably better to answer this. I just know that <laughs> this is. Gonna, I don't get that. No. Uh, I, well,
6: I a, think a lot of dogs. I, I think what that statement is saying is that, and this is what veterinarians do every day is we help our, um, pet owners to help determine how do we maintain health. Mm-hmm. And that may mean for breeding people that breed is to say, okay, look at what we've got. We've got three of your offspring that have this type of condition. Let's look at the genetics. What do we need to do to not have this keep happening? And I think that's something that is, um, that, that's what we're here for, is to yeah. work with people who have animals. We want to minimize suffering. We don't want to have animals that have terminal diseases or that are going to live a lifetime of discomfort. So um, I think that's where working with breed groups and the Canine Health Information um, Center that uh, does the genetic tracking. I think that's a great thing.
5: Good to know. Um, there's a contractor in Virginia who is suing a couple for $90,000 for injuries that he says were caused when their pet squirrel attacked him. Oh um, attacked by biting and scratching his hand and his leg.
2: You did say pet squirrel, right?
5: I did say pet squirrel, okay. but there's some uh, irregularities in this story. Now, according to the paperwork, you know, the lawsuit which is filed by the contractor claiming he was attacked. The couple was keeping this squirrel as a pet, but the homeowners say they have never even had a pet squirrel, but apparently they are familiar with this squirrel because it lived outside in their neighborhood. But was never inside with them, so I guess they only consider indoor animals pets. Hmm. Not sure, but like most towns, um, that city does not allow residents to keep wild animals without a permit. But isn't that's one of those over the top lawsuits? Don't you think? Yeah. Ninety
2: thousand yeah. <laughs> dollars. Yeah, I want to know what this squirrel did to this guy.
4: Yeah, <laughs> he had to he jacked him up pretty good. his leg. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I was attacked by a squirrel one time.
2: Really? (laughs) Really?
4: How did that happen, Judy? I want to know. It was so bizarre. I was riding my bike, and there was a fence all along the bike trail, and I mean, I was going downhill, and I was moving pretty fast, and all of a sudden, I felt something, and I saw something flash out of the corner of my eye, and I looked down, and wrapped around my foot was a squirrel. Wow. It had jumped as I was riding my bike by, jumped on my foot and was hanging on for dear life. So I just kind of took my foot off the pedal and I was shaking it going down the hill. And I bet it looked oh my, rough. my bike was wobbly and he finally let go. Oh. But he didn't bite me. Did
5: he sue you? Yeah, yeah really. Good question. We've been talking about uh, pets in the presidency over the past few weeks as we get closer to Inauguration Day, which is just around the corner. And uh, here's a few more tidbits of information about pets in the White House that might be news to you. Did you know that the book written by former First Lady Barbara Bush in the first person voice of her Springer Spaniel, Millie, that that book has outsold the memoirs of both the former First Lady and husband, former President George H.W. Bush.
2: Well, if I had the choice of which one to read, I probably would have picked the dog's I would read Millie's, too, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
5: The Obamas, even before President Obama took office, uh, they generated that tidal wave of coverage by announcing that win or lose the 2008 election, that their daughters would be getting a dog. And, uh, now in fact, they've got two. And so today, Bo and Sonny are so popular. They're Portuguese water dogs that they have official White House schedules, which the first lady has to approve at the beginning of each month because, you know, they're in demand as well. Sure. But when President-elect Trump takes office next week, there will be no pets in the White House for the first time in more than 150 years. That's going to be sad. Oh. I mean, don't you love, I mean, I remember what the Clintons had socks. Yeah, I remember
2: socks. Yeah. You
5: know, what if someone's allergic? What if, what if there's someone allergic and that's why they don't want to have pets?
2: They could get a hippopotamus. Well,
5: you know, that's, that's a good point, Dr. Debbie. Nobody knows for certain, but Trump is a self-proclaimed clean hands freak. So, and he, I mean, he doesn't like shaking hands at all. So it it could be very well that it's a, you know, a, a thing that he just doesn't want to deal with. And then I did a little more investigation. Uh-huh. And that's, you know, there's a whopping 33 percent of Americans, they say, who do not wash their hands after going to the bathroom. Seventy percent of them don't use soap if they do wash up after we <laughs> We're,
2: we're all looking around each other in the studio. <laughs> Which one of you? Yeah.
5: So Trump makes sense there. I wouldn't I, I may no longer shake hands with people. Uh, but back to Pat's, at, at this moment, not looking so good that we're going to see one in the White House. Oh,
2: I never thought I'd hear you say Trump makes sense.
5: I am totally fair, unbiased.
2: And I salute you for that. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to be. You're the but news gal. It, it, yeah, it's,
4: it's true. you, yes. you got to be fair.
2: I'm the dumb Go disc ahead. jockey, and I'm allowed to just be, you know, dumb and yeah, you, say whatever. It's right? your, I
4: mean, you talk about not shaking hands, but you touch doorknobs, you touch... Bathroom stalls and uh, things in public. There's just so many. Well, you know me. I'm kind of. What about those things you have to sign when you use your debit card or something, your credit card?
2: Oh, we have to, especially see, at the pharmacy. See, I
5: do <laughs> a little cringe when I have to touch those things. My body goes,
6: Ooh, sure. uh, I carry my own pen, but I want to get one of those little things for those pads that you
5: sign those credit cards so that I can have my own to pull out and not use there that There you cringy go.
7: Button. Yeah. Uh-huh.
5: I'm going to go wash my hands now if you guys will excuse me. <laughs> I'm Lori Brooks.
9: Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com.
10: Hi friends, this is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. As you know, going to the vet can be a traumatic experience for your pet, but it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, vet visits can be something your pet looks forward to. Introducing Fear Free. When your veterinarian is Fear Free certified, you'll be assured your pet's vet visit is more free of fear, anxiety, and stress than ever before. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified, and it puts the treat into treatment. To find a certified Fear Free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com.
2: It's Animal Radio, celebrating our connection with our pet's Toll free. It's one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five, 405 8405 And we'll go back to the phones in just a couple of minutes.
13: But first,
2: we welcome back to the show Loretta Swit. Hi, Loretta. How are you doing?
13: Hello. I'm terrific. Thank you. How are you doing?
2: Good. Did we catch you during lunch?
13: Nope. Just finishing. I timed it perfectly, and then you were running a little late, and yep. so we're we're now together.
2: What was for lunch today?
13: <laughs> you know, it, it was... Um, Brussels sprouts—they're—it's very the rage these days. They pan fry them and they put all sorts of little goodies like pistachio nuts, and mm. it's very, very tasty. But it's vegan, which is what I, I'm concerned about.
2: Well, of course, and I understand that. I love Brussels sprouts. Everybody around me hates them. They, when you, when you said that, they all look—they all kind of shook. But I love them.
13: Mm, no, it's become a very big thing in New York. Well I wanted it's to it's on it's on most menus. Yes, go it, on. It is? On most menus mm-hmm. in New York? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Ah, oh, I did not know that.
13: How about that? I yeah. don't know.
2: <laughs> so I saw that you have a brand new book out. It's a book of thank your me. art.
13: I didn't realize mm-hmm.
2: you're so talented. Well, thank you so much. You uh you uh paint as well as act and of course you've been a big advocate for the animals for so long. I assume the paintings and the book all have to do with animals, correct?
13: Uh, yes, the whole book is about that. It's um, it's sort of joining all my my loves and passions together. And uh, yes, I have for years now been painting uh, animals on commission or just on spec, and then auctioning them off at our fundraisers. So it's um, it's it's been out there, but this this book brings everything together, and um, and everybody can see it and know about my um, my artwork, and so on and so forth.
2: We're with Loretta Swit. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to find out a little more about her book.
1: You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com.
10: Log on, learn more. Geico presents a voicemail from your friend, Tree.
1: Tree here. Just calling to say thanks for letting me crash at your place the other night. Well on your place it was a rough night i had a bit too much wind and i think i, I might have broke your chimney actually so yeah um, oh any chance you'd want to drop off my tire swing yeah i mean if not that's cool okay later
10: trees won't pay for tree damage luckily one call to the geico insurance agency makes it easy to switch and save on homeowner's insurance
2: it's animal radio and we are with hot lips hoolahan Uh, That's, I got, (laughs) one of my favorite shows, I think we've all, Loretta Swit is joining us.
4: How old were you when you first started and what was your first animal that you painted?
13: Well, I don't know that I started, but I was six when I won my first art prize. Oh, really? Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yep. I've been painting and doodling and sketching. Ever since I can remember, your
2: parents encouraged that because mine didn't. Uh, they, no, when they no, saw they me, they no, no, they did not. They did not. They
13: did not. Oh, no, really? No, they did not. They did not understand me at all. <laughs> they, uh, my mother was constantly telling me to go out and play, like, like quote the other children, uh-huh. and so because she understood that, she did not understand this little chubby little blonde kid. At the dining room table, drawing and painting and sketching. And this just made no sense to her because she should have been outside playing. You know, so what can I tell you? I didn't care about hopscotch so much as I cared about making a painting. So were you a, Were you an animal lover as a youngster? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. What,
2: what kind of animals did you have?
13: Well, unhappily, it's not a good story. It's where I learned about... What I wanted to do with my life, I had a pet, and um my father took my little my little dog for a walk and translated means I never saw my little dog again. Mm. He was not a cruel man. I don't want to paint that picture. he just really kind of didn't know better. Uh, it was traumatic um, it was you're going to stab somebody with, hold on <laughs> um. Somebody was pointing her umbrella at my heart. Um, <laughs> she wasn't watching where she was going. She was pointing to somebody else. Okay, so um, in that neighborhood, um, people drowned kittens, you know, unwanted animals, in quotes, or whatever. Um, I'm, I'm passionate about knowledge. Part of A big part of what I do is education, teaching kids about spaying and neutering. So that at a certain point, those kids are going to be teaching their parents, you know.
0: But anyway, yes.
13: um, it's very important to know the enemy. Very important to know that puppy mills are a blight on our society, or kitten mills, or whatever. I mean, it's, but unless you know that, unless you know that 80 animals died indiscriminately to make a fur coat, you know, if you know that, when you walk into a a department store and you see all the coats and you do the math you think you know and most women do do this huh? but you think well that's not what i want to do that's not what who i am and then you learn about the positive value of fake furs for example which need no storage so already you're saving they're just as warm if not warmer and the look we have come so far with how beautiful the faux the fur looks. But people don't know
2: the uh, difference.
13: Not, no, not at all. Uh, I have one that is just smashing, and I have to wear a button.
2: But do people look some, at you weird when you wear it? Do they think it's real and say, hey, what, what is Loretta Smith?" Um,
13: no. Actually, people know enough about me to know if okay. I'm wearing it, it's fake. But if I'm at an airport, for example, and this just happened recently, woman came over to admire it she said that's the most gorgeous coat i said you do know it's fake oh my god no i didn't may i feel it i'm sure <laughs> i mean she, she was dazzled and i thought that's a win that's a winning situation sure
2: i'm looking at the book here we're all kind of sharing it in the studio here it's a great book oh, yes. that <laughs> i love the play on the title is Sweetheart. which actually <laughs> has uh i would say three at least three different meanings there and that's
13: right sweetheart Yep. And of course Swid is my name.
2: Yep. There are sixty five full color paintings and drawings and I see that uh the dog, which is on the front cover and all of the animals inside, what is the muse? Who are they?
13: Oh well it's a mixture. Several of them are mine. And um the one on the cover was a by to we rescue. By the we being the oldest uh rescue organization in Manhattan. The the Jack Russell on the cover is a By to Wee Rescue. That I fell in love with. I saw a picture of, a photo of, and I, I said to myself, that's a painting. I love it.
2: It is great. If someone buys the book, where does the money go?
13: The money goes into the Sweetheart Animal Alliance Foundation, uh, which gets turned around and goes back out to my animals. Uh, for example, uh, one of my beloved organizations is Farm Sanctuary. Jean Bauer, mm-hmm. a dear friend, a co-founder, um it they rescue we have farm animals, and we have these sanctuaries where they live out their lives and in fact, John Stewart has just uh, started his own farm sanctuary. I saw his wife uh, yes it,
7: it,
13: yeah i mean it's 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 wonderful the our numbers are really growing because of of knowledge because of education, so anyway, the search rescues, oh my God, the search dog rescues that's one of my favorite favorite organizations it's a win-win situation we rescue little lab or lab mixed puppies and we train them to rescue us i mean i have i have footage of a, of a lab dog digging a little girl out of rubble from an earthquake in peru i think it was oh it doesn't matter but the thing is these these kids are deployed all over the world with their handlers and they save lives I mean, so so for me, that's joyous. It's coming full circle.
2: We're running out of time, but you know what? I was just looking at the, uh, the website. It was 10 years ago when you were on with us last. Let's not make it so long in between the next time, okay?
13: Well, you see to that, you have my number. <laughs> okay, I will do that. And, and you make a date, and I will be there to, you know, tap my head off. This is my favorite subject, you know, <laughs> and so... Any, any, anything, anytime, I'd be happy to be a guest.
2: If you were I here, we'd all, we'd all give you a big old hug right now. Thank you so much for what you do for the animals. Hey, thanks for joining us. Remember, if you need your fix during the week, visit us over at animalradio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and Blackberry.
5: Bye bye. Bye. Have a great day.
2: This is Animal,
1: Animal. Our Our Radio
12: Network. Network.